The road we're on is paved in Garth. Come along on the journey. As we explore Garthology. Think of it more as a conversation. I like that. So if this is truly a conversation, then I say let the conversation begin. Hey guys, it's Deb. I'm Pete. And I'm Jess. Welcome to Episode 9 of the Garthology Podcast. We appreciate you guys joining us on this journey that we're taking. And for today's episode, we're going to talk about Garth's third studio album, Rope in the Wind. Rope in the Wind was released on September 2nd of 1991. It was Garth's first album to debut at number one on the Billboard 200 chart and on the Top Country Albums chart. The first country album to do that since Kenny Rogers did it a decade earlier. It spent a combined 18 weeks at number one and was certified 14 times platinum in 1998. And platinum, in case you guys don't know, it means 1 million sales. So that album went platinum, 1 million sales, 14 times. Rope in the Wind also won Garth his very first Grammy Award. He was named the Best Country Vocal Performance Male. The album before this, No Fences, did so well that it's understandable that Garth was concerned about how the album after it would do. As Garth describes it in Anthology Part 1, the first two albums were like the black and white beginning of The Wizard of Oz, and Rope in the Wind was like when everything became full color and they were on the yellow brick road. This album followed one of the biggest selling albums in country music history, and it was a very worthy successor. To me, this album epitomizes the Garth sound. It shows his 70s influence, that like gritty music that he grew up with came out, and it displays like his arena rock chops to me. That's how I see this album. So let's go over to Pete for the first song. The first song off Roping the Wind is Against the Grain. Folks call me the Maverick. Yes, I ain't too diplomatic. I just never been the kind of going wrong. Just avoiding conversation for the sake of confirmation. And I'll admit I tend to sing a different song. Sometimes you just can't be afraid to wear a different hat. If Columbus at the bottom, this old world might still be flat. Nothing adventure, nothing new game. Sometimes you got to go against the grain. Against the Grain was written by Bruce Booten, Larry Cordell, and Carl Jackson. It was never released as a single off the album, but it did peak at number 66 on the Billboard chart. So going back a little bit to what Deb was saying about the song and the album to follow, in the anthology, one of the things that Garth says was that he needed a song that could take the risk that it may piss people off, but a song to make a statement right off the start. And Against the Grain was that song. It starts with a blast. It delays, and then the song takes off with that really in-your-face country beat. This song is so powerful to me. My past and the meaning behind the lyrics has kind of been the way I've always lived my life. Sometimes it didn't work out as I planned, but most of the time it worked out better than I could have imagined because I stuck to my guns and my feelings 
and I followed through with it. In the middle of the first verse when he says, and I'll admit I tend to sing a different song, but sometimes you just can't be afraid to wear a different hat. If Columbus would have complied, this world might still be flat. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. Sometimes you got to go against the grain. It makes me realize that in this world, if you want something, that you believe in something, that you can't have anybody or anything stand in your way or tell you it's not possible. Do it your way, even if it's not the way that most would do. Make things happen for yourself. And with those lyrics and that song, listening to it, doing the research, it kept taking me back to different parts of my life where, you know, things like that may come up and I would make a plan. And although it would kind of start to get off track a little bit and or I didn't really see it following through with the way that I hoped at the time, if I stuck to my gun, stood up for myself and what I believed in, I went against the grain, maybe not the way that some people would handle it. Eventually, in the end, it always worked out for me. So that song, that's kind of how it, it, what it means to me and kind of how it affected, like going back to my past and my history. So that's what I got from the song. How about you guys? Yeah, I I really love this song. Um, it, It's a lot of fun. The music part reminds me of Calling Baton Rouge because it's really upbeat and fast. And I like that part of it. But it's also a great message, like you said, about just going your own way and doing things the way that you see fit for your life, regardless of what other people think. I love the line at the end that says, if you're going to make a difference, if you're going to leave your mark, you can't follow like a bunch of sheep. You've got to listen to your heart. And that kind of goes along with what you just said. You, you know, you have to follow your own heart. And I like that it was a, this message I feel like could be said or sang with a much slower, more serious song, but I like that it was still the serious topic, but the song itself is a fun, upbeat song that you like to sing along with and kind of dance along to. Yeah, for sure. How about you, Deb? Yeah, absolutely. I like this song. This is one of my favorites off the album. I'm still shocked that it wasn't really a single. I really think that there's a lot of Garth in this song. I know that he didn't write it, but when you, you know, when you hear lines like folks call me a maverick, which I think in country music, when Garth was at this point in his career, he really was a maverick. And I think that when he talks about he's been accused of making his own rules, Again, I think that is Garth. I think that he changed country music, the way that it was being played, the way that it was being listened to, the people that listened to it. I think Garth jumped right in and shook it all up and just changed the rules completely. And so to me, this song is all about Garth. And it also reminds me of Standing Outside the Fire, which kind of has the same theme going through the lyrics. So I really like this song, and I think it just fits Garth to a T for me. It's one of my favorites. I agree. Yeah, you know, saying that as far as Garth doing Garth's thing, I mean, to this day even, you know, he still has his music off of YouTube, and, you know, he specifically indicates where his music's going to be played. For instance, right now, the deal with Amazon Music, and he's always kind of been that way. You know, it was going to be his way of doing it, and obviously it's worked out real well for him, so. With that, we will pass it over to Deb for song number two. Yes, I have song number two, and it is Rodeo.
Rodeo was written by Larry Bastian, who we've talked about in the past. Larry actually wrote this song like six or seven years before he even met Garth. It was the first single released from Rope in the Wind, and it peaked at number three on the U.S. country chart. But it actually reached number one in Canada, which I thought that was cool. Rodeo was originally titled Miss Rodeo, and it was written for a woman to sing. According to a few different reports, as well as the anthology, Garth went all over asking a bunch of different women artists to record it. He even asked Trisha, and none of them would do it, which it just is so funny to me. At this point, he had just come off No Fences, which was huge, and he was really making a name for himself, and he could not find a woman to record this song. And he just really felt like there was something there. He could feel the rodeo in it. He could feel the muscle coming through it. So he decided he was just going to do it himself. His band picked up their instruments. They started playing it. And then he talks about how they turned it raw and greasy and dirty and sweaty, which uh, to me, it just describes this song perfectly. So he changed some of the words to fit a man singing it. And as Chris Ledoux told Garth, it's what cowboy music is all about. And I completely agree. I love the music in this. It's raw and it's gritty and it's just a great, great song. I agree. Uh, it sounds like a rodeo to me. I had the word gritty written in my notes as well. It's, it's a little dangerous, a little raw sounding. And I like that. I think it gets people's attention. It also mentions Tulsa, which I love and loved as a kid that it was something that I recognized. And it's such an anthem for rodeo people and for for people who love country music in general. But I think there's a crowd there that that really spoke to, especially. And it's just kind of an iconic song for them now. And even the fact that Chris Ledoux took an interest in it and had commentary on it says a lot about that. (laughs) One of the things I had in my note is that I learned what Latigo was from this song. (laughs) Like, not now. As a kid, (laughs) I was like, what is Latigo? And I had to look it up. And for those that don't know, it's a type of leather. But yeah, I love this song. I've always loved it. And it's one that I know all the words to it and I could listen to it every day and not get tired of it. How about you, Pete? Yeah, uh, kind of all the same thing. You talking about an anthem, you know, for that kind of group. And, uh, you know, at a rodeo, I remember I used to always go to the PBR rodeo here in uh, Anaheim when they would have it over at the pond. And if that song wasn't played two or three times during that night and everybody in the stands would sing it, something was going on, something was wrong. So uh, you're right, it does. It tells a story as far as, you know, you talk about the chaps, cowboy hat, buckles and things like that. You, it literally paints a picture of a guy in a rodeo. And again, more of Garth's music and the layers where it p- puts you in and how the lyrics could put you right in that spot. But it is a fun song. One, again, that I know all the words to. And uh, every time it comes on, you just got to turn it up a little louder. Yeah, Yeah. I agree. Okay, so let's go over to Jess for song number three. Song number three is What She's Doing Now. Makes me wonder what she doing now. Cause what she's doing now is tearing me apart. Filling up my mind and emptying my heart. The song was written by Pat Alger and Garth Brooks, 
and it was the third single off of Rope in the Wind, released December 6th of 1991. It spent four weeks at the top of the charts and peaked at number one. We've talked about Pat Alger before, so you guys know he wrote Unanswered Prayers and The Thunder Rolls and That Summer. So he and Garth are an awesome writing team, and of course, probably anything that they wrote could be a number one if it is chosen to be on an album. It just needs a chance to get out there, and this one was no exception. It just got a lot of attention once it got released. Actually, surprisingly, it was released before Garth wrote the song, but Crystal Gale actually recorded it before on an album called Ain't Gonna Worry in 1990. Um, It obviously just wasn't a big hit until Garth released it on his album. But originally, when she recorded it, it was called What He's Doing Now. So I did not go back and listen to that song, but I kind of want to (laughs) just to hear it from another perspective. The song was actually Garth's idea, and it was based on an ex of his that was living out in Colorado, the last that he knew, and he just wondered about her and what had happened to her in her life. And I think anybody can identify with that, just wondering about someone in your past who was important to you once upon a time. And in these days, it's a little harder to probably imagine because we have Facebook and all the social media and it's easy to creep on somebody. But there's those random people out there who still don't have social media. So if it was one of those people, or if you just don't feel comfortable looking them up, I'm sure there's someone in your past who you can kind of wonder what became of their life. And for Garth, he wondered, was this woman married? Had she become a mom? He just kind of wondered about her. And so when he presented the idea to Pat Alger and they sat down and talked about it, Pat said, well, what about her? And Garth said, just just what she's doing now. And Pat said, well, what is she doing? And Garth said, well, she's keeping me up at night. And Pat said, I wonder if she knows what she's doing now. And Garth said he just got goosebumps and was like, he knew that they were onto something and that they had a, they had a hit there. So I... I was interested because in the anthology, there was a a part where Garth talked about the music on this song and how it sounded to him. And we've talked before about how the music sometimes really matches the lyrics and, you know, sometimes just the tune is what it is. But he said the line, I took a walk in the evening wind. Actually, in, in the anthology, it says I took a walk in the winter wind. So I don't know if that was a change in the actual lyric or, you know, sometimes there's songs and I can't think of an example off the top of my head, but you know, where like a word has changed over the years and Garth sings it a different way live now than it was released on the album originally. But the line in the song that says I took a walk in the evening wind, Garth said that whole line right there feels kind of light blue, kind of icy blue. And the music captured that. And I could see that when I listened to the music, but I thought it was funny that he kind of looked at the music the same way that we've talked about. Like sometimes you really can get a feeling from the music without any words at all, and it sets a tone. Did you guys have any thoughts you want to share on this one? That's a really good one. The description of that musical passage was perfect. It's exactly what it sounds like. So I actually didn't read about it in the anthology, I didn't go over this part. So that's. That's really interesting. I like that he describes it that way because it's perfect. And I didn't know that Crystal Gale recorded it. Yeah, I didn't either. That's amazing. These people that we find, you know, we keep, it seems like we find almost at least one person in almost every episode that has recorded a song that I knew nothing about. So that's cool. I'll go out and find her version of it and maybe I'll drop in a little snippet of it. What he's doing now What he's doing now Is tearing me apart Filling up my mind And emptying my heart 
I love this song. And for me, the lyric, filling up my mind and emptying my heart. Oh, mm. that's such a great lyric. And that just, it crushes my soul a little bit for anybody that feels that way. So yeah, I love this song. It's great. Pete, what did you think? You know, a lot of the same stuff, right? I, the, the, the tone that the song is sung to, the music in the background, really does match very, very well. and. It's always talking about like what she's doing now when I have Garth playing or, you know, after a concert or something like that, you get into a conversation, you ask, you, I wonder what they're doing now. Or I wonder what he, you know, whatever you did <laughs> anyway. It just reminds me of the song. That one saying in conversation with somebody that I might be talking to takes me back to this song. It's a really great song and uh, I always enjoy listening to it. It's, uh, well, it's wonderful. And I really, really want to go back and listen to the original recording of it. I didn't know that there was another one out there, so that'll be interesting. And I want to find out, is it a winter night or summer night? Uh, you know, that lyric, I've been, while you've been talking, I've been playing it in my head, and I'm like, I think it's the evening. What is, what is the lyric? I want to listen to it. It's definitely evening. I never heard winter in it. Yeah, I, I don't remember that either. Okay, I think that's all with that one. So we are going to take it over to song number four with Pete. Yep, song number four off the album is Burning Bridges. Yesterday she thanked me for oiling that front door. This morning when she wakes, she won't be thankful anymore. She'll never know how much I care, just that I couldn't stay. And I'll never know the reason why I always run away. Burning bridges one by one What I'm doing can't be undone And I'm always hoping someday Burning Bridges was written by Stephanie Brown and Garth Brooks. We've talked plenty of times in the past about Stephanie and how when Garth got to Nashville, she had mentioned to him that he should meet a guy by the name of Bob Doyle. So she was kind of Garth's way into the music. This song was not released as a single off of the album, and I couldn't find anywhere where it had peaked on any of the charts as well. So if somebody could find, if it did, that'd be great to know, because I couldn't find it. I looked. Listening to it, I don't know how it didn't peak somewhere on a chart if it didn't, and I really, really feel that it should have been a single or a, a song that got more mentioned, because i got to be honest, going back and doing the research, I heard it, I knew the lyrics, I didn't know them that well, but listening to it, I've completely fallen in love with this song. In the anthology, Garth writes something amazing about the people who leave easily and the people who stay. The people who leave are actually the victim, and the ones who stay, the ones who can commit, those are the ones that can settle down. Find the ones that they are supposed to be with, whereas the ones who leave and burn the bridges will never find the person that they should be with forever because they leave it all the time when the going gets tough. That, to me, is so powerful. It shows that people are willing to work and the people who are willing to put in the time are the ones who will find their forever happiness, in my eyes, from what he wrote. The ones who so easily give up and leave and burn bridges are the ones that 
may not ever find the full success to their potential. Another great story in the anthology is about our buddy Mike Palmer. Palmer always thought that the first line in Burning Bridges, yesterday she thanked me for oiling the front door. This morning when she wakes, she won't be thankful anymore, was just a throwaway line. And thinking about it that way, I thought to myself, I think it's a great line, good way to start off, makes sense, okay, she thanked me for doing it. And then you listen to the lyrics, and it really wasn't just a chore. But after thinking and reading about it, it points out that him leaving couldn't be possible because the creaking door without the oil would wake her up. And so it shows that that one little line, although doesn't mean a whole lot, really set the tone to me for the entire song. And then from there, it got into the complete story of what the song is about. And then, you know, I think about Burning Bridges and the meaning behind what I knew it as, not necessarily related to the song, as far as, you know, in business, buying different parts from different vendors, you always want to make sure that you have an open relationship with everybody and you don't burn those bridges because quite honestly, there could always be a time where you need that one person back. But if you just leave that person high and dry with no explanation and no reason for not doing business, when you do need them, when they have something that I may need, they're not going to be there for me because I burnt that bridge. It's funny to hear that saying, think about it in business and then relay it back to the song in a relationship way, and then go through and think about the ones who are willing to stay and commit are the ones that will always find their happiness or their full potential because they're able to keep themselves through the tough time, put in the work, and ultimately achieve that happiness. Whereas people who are not willing to put in the work, they don't want to make the commitment. They're always going to go out and try to chase that happiness. They're never going to be able to find it. So that's really what I took from the song. Like I said, it wasn't a song I knew word for word. I definitely feel that I'm darn close to knowing it now because I kept replaying it, doing the research. And the meaning behind that song was very, very powerful. That's what I got from it. How about you guys? I I love this song. I I know this one really well. It's a song that I've loved for a long time. And it's it's a brilliant song with brilliant lyrics. I'm I'm so impressed by the songwriting on this one. I like I say a million times with all the songs, I love the background vocals on this song. I think my my favorite parts are there's a line that says, I told her that we'd cross that bridge whenever it arrived. Now through the flames I see her standing on the other side. And that makes me think of how many times in a relationship you can maybe put off an argument or put off something you know is maybe going to be problematic or even maybe don't realize is going to be problematic. But at the end of it, when you finally have that conversation, you find yourself standing at the opposite end of the pole with somebody with all this space in between. And sometimes it's too much to bridge that gap. You know, you've, you've kind of put it off and now there's this big space between you. And then the other one is at the end when it says, and the bridge I need to get there will be the bridge that I have burned. That always stayed with me. And it's such a powerful line and you can relate it to so many parts of your life. But like you were talking about in business, it makes sense in relationships, in friendships. You know, you just you can't foresee the future. You don't know how things are going to go and when you're going to need someone in your life, when your circumstances or their circumstances are going to change. And it's just very good to keep in mind, I think, the idea of that. You know, there are places, I think, and times in life when it is necessary to burn a bridge. But I think it's rare. Most of the time, I think you need to be careful to not burn bridges, especially with people who are important to you, but just with people in general. 
But again, I could talk about this song for a really long time because I love it so much, but I will pass it over (laughs) and let Deb talk about it for a minute. (laughs) Yeah, I do too. I love this song so much. I actually, I think I've never really sat and thought about what is my favorite Garth Brooks album, but in reviewing this album right now for this podcast, I think I'm leaning towards this album. I And I don't know if it's just because I've listened to every song on this album so much. I love this entire album, so I don't think there's going to be a song on it that I'm going to critique and not say I love it because (laughs) it just is a great, great album. And so this song for me is one of the top. I agree with the entire sentiment of what both of you talked about, like burning bridges, whether in business or relationship, is a terrible thing to do. And I think everyone should be careful not to do that because if those people are important in your life, then you don't want to burn that bridge. No matter what's happened between you, you don't want to let that person go. And burning a bridge with someone will absolutely do that. So I think that's a really important lesson that everybody can learn. And I think it's genius what Palmer said in the anthology about that first, I mean, he's right, that first phrase, the first lyric, you wouldn't really think much about it. But had he not oiled that door, it wouldn't have been very easy for him to leave. So it really is, if you look at these lyrics, if you actually look at the lyrics of this entire song, there are little nuggets of truth throughout all of them. Like every verse in here, you'll stop and go, oh my gosh, that's genius. So yeah, I love this song. It's great. One of the best. Yeah, Yeah, it, uh, it really is a good song. I'm glad that we uh, were all able to review that, and we will now pass it over to Deb for song number five. Yes, I have song number five, and it is Papa Loved Mama. Mama was a looker, Lord, out to shine. Papa was a good and but the yellow sky. Papa loved Mama, Mama loved me. Papa Love Mama was written by Kim Williams and Garth Brooks. And who knew that a song about cheating and murder could be so freaking good? So if you guys have listened to our past podcast, you'll hear where Jess talked about the newspaper article that this was found in. And it turns out that this song almost didn't make the album, which is funny to me because I can't even imagine Rope in the Wind without this. The album was pretty much done, and the 10th cut on the album was going to be Patsy Cline's Walkin' at Midnight, which Garth actually did release later on other subsequent albums. But Kim brought part of the Papa Love Mama song that he had, he had started writing, he brought that to Garth on the last day of sessions. And then Garth and Kim sat down and pretty much on the spot wrote the rest of the song. As Alan Reynolds points out in the anthology, it's not a long song. If you look at it, it's only two minutes and 50 seconds. So that made me think about the song itself. And I went back and looked. It is two minutes and 50 seconds. And the last 58 seconds of the song is all music. Garth's last vocal is at 151. And the song's outro goes from then until the 250 mark. So for all of that time, almost half the song, there's no vocals. It's a very short story. 
But isn't that amazing when you think of it that way? Because when I think of Papa Love Mama, I know the entire story. Like it's one of those where we've talked in the past about it feels like it has a beginning, a middle, and an end. But this is a really, really short song and has almost as much instrumental music as it does actual vocals. Yeah, you don't notice it. It doesn't seem short. Yeah, it really doesn't. And it's totally worth it. That one minute and 51 seconds that we get of Garth is awesome. It tells a whole story. And then I also just love the outro because the music is great. You get that lap steel guitar, which is awesome. You get the fiddle. You get everybody in there doing their thing. And it's a fantastic outro. So this song to me is fully Garth Brooks. Like I think it's absolutely him. And it's part of what made this album, for me, the Garth Brooks sound. Oh, this song just always makes me laugh. It kind of, it just, I can't help but kind of chuckle when I listen to it. And I it kind of knowing the story behind it makes me feel a little bit bad now because I didn't know for a long time until we started, you know, doing this and talking about it. And until Garth talked about, I think in the wind show that this was based on a true story that if you look at it in reality, that's actually a very sad story. But the way it's presented in the song just makes me kind of laugh. It's hard to categorize. It's, do you call it a love song? It's definitely a story song, but it's it's kind of its own genre, I would say. But it's definitely a fun, hopping kind of music. And, and I love that. In that way, it's kind of like rodeo or one of those that you can always put on and just sing with in the background. And, and I like that. Yeah, it, uh, I got to tell you, with this song, when we talk about Garth live, and you can categorize different Garth songs in different ways being live. If I was to take the top one or two, what I would call energetic, fun, lights come up, things get loud, Garth running around the stage, it's got to be, for me, Papa Love Mama. I, that When they start hitting the, the musical instruments on that song live, and all of the, the bright lights come up, and Garth starts running around and having a good time, you know, and a lot of times he'll get up on the, the Palmer drum set and he's banging things around. And he does that on a couple of those real energetic, fun songs. This is the one. At any point in any concert, it could start it off and set the mood. It could be, you know, an hour into the show and where things are kind of starting to calm down and he's got to re-energize the, the crowd. To me, this would be the song that would do it. The song is so much fun to listen to live. But you go back to it and you wonder, is it really a, a love song and the way that they wrote it? And how he comes in and he shows Garth a newspaper article in the last session where they thought that they were going to have to cancel it. Uh, Garth tells the story, and I love it. He comes in, shows him the newspaper. He goes, here's your love song. And he goes, love song? That's not a love song. He goes, no, this is your love song. And he goes, that's a big rig smashed into a hotel. You know, and he's hitting his fist against it, telling the story. And he goes, this is our love song. And they sat down and wrote it. I love, love, love that story about that song. Yeah, it's a great song. All right, guys, so that wraps up the first five songs of Rope in the Wind. And now we're going to go into breaking news. Breaking news. In case you haven't heard, Garth and Trisha have both announced that on December 20th, they are going to do a holiday concert together. It will be on CBS, so be sure and catch that. Again, it's on Sunday. December 20th. And now let's go over to Pete for shout outs. Shout outs. Yes, this week's shout out goes to Donna M. Fonseca for sharing our Facebook post. We appreciate that, Donna. Thank you so much. 
Thank you so much, Donna. Thank you. And Deb, I'm pretty sure you got something to say about the website. Yes, I do. Don't forget to visit Garthology.com and leave a comment or go on our special page and submit a show idea if there's a Garth topic you'd like us to cover. Be sure and go down to the bottom of the page and subscribe for our newsletter. And while you're on your podcast platform of choice, be sure and subscribe, download, rate, and review, and then share us with your friends in low places. Yeah, speaking of friends in low places, we got to make sure that we mention our socials because that's where we're getting a lot of friends. You can find us at facebook.com backslash GarthologyCast. And if you're on Instagram and Twitter, you can find us at GarthologyCast. When you're there, if you don't mind taking the time to like, tweet, share, maybe put some of our stuff in your IG stories, that would be great. On Facebook, if you could share our post and comment there, we love the interaction with all of the fans. It seems like we're getting quite a bit of you guys out there, and we just want to see this entire uh, thing grow, and we want you guys to grow with us on this journey. So we appreciate you guys doing that. And for a special announcement, anyone who shares a post of ours on Instagram, shares a post of ours on Facebook, retweets one of our tweets, or leaves us a review on Apple, will be entered for a drawing. That drawing will take place on New Year's Eve, December 31st, and we will announce the winner of a special prize in our first podcast of the new year. So be sure and visit one of our social media accounts and share us with your friends and get entered for this very special drawing. And next time on Garthology, we're going to wrap up Rope in the Wind. So if you've made it this far with us, be sure to come back and listen as we discuss Shameless, Cold Shoulder, We Bury the Hatchet in Lonesome Dove, and The River. Until then. This has been Episode 9 of Garthology, and I'm Deb. I'm Pete. And I'm Jess. And we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Bye, everybody. <laughs> I forgot that I didn't write down the name of it. I assumed I'd know. Oh my god. The yellow brick road <laughs> heading into that. We place. have a little bit of an issue here. Oz? <laughs> <laughs> my god. That was awesome. <laughs>